Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. It's just exciting, this whole holiday. Oh, it's just so fantastic. Sukkot is such a blessing and everything that it represents. It represents so many things. We talked a lot Monday night about one of the main things that it represents. Uh, and wow, very, very deep stuff and its connection with Yeshua and the Brachad uh, in, in an amazing way. We're going to be talking about it a little bit of a different angle here today. Matthew chapter 7, if you'd like to start. i got a lot of good scripture for you, a lot of scripture for you. If you can't follow along as quick on your smartphone or in your uh, you know, hard, hard uh, copy Bible, then you can always just rewind on YouTube or watch it later on YouTube. <laughs> okay, Matthew chapter 7. I want to talk a little bit about fruit, fruit, fruit. Yes, yes. Because why? Because this holiday has a lot to do with fruit. Uh, it's so interesting, you know, and, and fruit in and of itself is, is pretty important if you look in the scripture. I mean, let's face it, uh, a little piece of fruit caused Adam and Eve to fall from the garden. Thank you very much. A little piece of fruit. You know, they, they say an apple a day keeps the doctor away, not if you're Adam and Eve. Oh, I'm telling you, it probably wasn't an apple. Fruit is very, very important. Fruit can have a lot of implications. Okay, we're talking about a physical fruit, but but let's see how this relates here, because there's also a symbolic fruit, the fruit of our lives, etc. Matthew chapter 7, you know this, Yeshua is speaking here. He says in verse 15, he says, watch out for false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inward, inwardly are <laughs> ravenous wolves. And it says that you will recognize them. I got to tell you, I moved this lulav here for a second, and as I move this lulav, uh, because we have these, these new uh, lights here, a shadow just shot across my, my, my podium here. I was like, whoa, what is that? <laughs> so that's what I'm chuckling about there. I, I had a hard time controlling my own laughter there. That was... Let's start with verse 15 one more time here. <laughs> Hey, listen, it's your rabbi. You got to love him. It's at the end of the high holy day season, y'all. I mean, come on, somebody. That's, you know, that's, all I got to say is, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> verse 15, watch out for false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Okay, grapes aren't gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles, are they? And then skipping down to verse 20 again, Yeshua concludes by saying, so then you will recognize them by their fruit. Okay, he was talking about essentially sheep's, she, wolves in sheep's clothing. You've heard that expression before, a wolf in sheep's clothing. He said, but how will you be able to discern? How will you be able to really tell if somebody's for real or not, or, or if, they're, if they're living their life in the right way or not? And he said, you'll know them by their fruit. Yeshua warns us. He tells us to be fruit inspectors, to be inspectors of fruit to examine the fruit of a person. He says, by their fruit, you will know them. In fact, he says it twice. You know, when Messiah says something twice, you really know he's, he's not playing around. He says it twice. By their fruit, you will know them. Okay, and so we should be fruit inspectors, inspecting the fruit, if you will. And by extension, though, this has to apply to us as well. By our fruit, we will be known. So what kind of fruit are you demonstrating in your life? It's a question that's very important and timely for Sukkot. Why? I'll explain to you in just a minute. 
What is the fruit that is exhibited in our lives? Because yes, part of the message here is that we should be discerning of other people and and see what fruit they have in their lives. But also, really, we need to be looking at ourselves to see what kind of fruit that we are demonstrating to others. Leviticus chapter 23. Let me explain to you how this all relates to Sukkot because it does in a, in a, in a symbolic and really prophetic way. It's Sukkot. Of course, Chag Sukkot Sameach. I hope you've been enjoying your time in your sukkah. Let's read just a little bit about what the scriptures say about this holiday of Sukkot because it relates to what we're talking about today and all this fruit discussion. Leviticus 23, verse 39, talking about Sukkot. So on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you've gathered in the fruits of the land, you are to keep the feast of Adonai for seven days. The first day is to be a Shabbat rest, and the eighth day, eighth day of Sukkot, will be a Shabbat rest. That's Shemini at Sirith. That's this coming Monday night to Tuesday night. On the first day, you are to take choice fruit of trees, branches of palm trees, boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and rejoice before Adonai your God for seven days. Okay, we see here, by the way, that's exactly where this stuff comes from. This is not some kind of uh, rabbinic tradition. This, this is explicitly right there in the Torah. The, the, these uh, these Arbamanim, the four species, are specific right here in the Scripture that we are, God commands us here to take up these things and to rejoice before Adonai our God for for Sukkot. Thank you, Lord. And so we do, we wave and we rejoice these things. One of the key parts, of course, uh, is this. It says, after you have gathered the crops in your land, take choice fruit from the trees. Peri et hadar. Okay, uh, and literally fruit of the, of the tree beautiful, if you look at it in the, in the Hebraic uh, expression here. And so the, the fruit is a key element in Sukkot. And of course, Sukkot has a big emphasis on the final harvest. Because you don't have to know anything but to walk outside. It's, it's different now. It seems to have really flipped. Sometimes the, the, in, in Atlanta, it seems like summer lasts until like December. And, and I'm not saying we're not going to have some more hot weather. But something kind of happened. The timing of this was perfect. Something changed around the weather in Atlanta, around Sukkot here, during Sukkot, which is a, which Atlanta is very similar to Israel in terms of uh, the latitude uh, it, it, although it has very different weather patterns. But, but the point is, is, is that this is the final harvesting season. We've now begun the, the final harvest of the year, which only makes sense. It's toward, it's, it's, we're in the fall here, and, it would, and the final harvest is the fruit harvest. It's the, it's the item that takes the longest to grow, unlike, say, wheat, which can kind of grow up kind of quick, and you have an early wheat and barley harvest. That's what Shavuot is, and early first fruits, and all that kind of thing. Okay, those are the early harvests, but the, but the, the final harvesting of the year is, is typically the fruits, which, which we have here, and from grapes to, to pomegranates, to olives. This is the season where we're starting to harvest these things. And these things were critical for making it through the winter. Sukkot, in part, celebrates the fruit harvest. So many of our holidays, y'all, have to do with the cycle of our lives and remembering and thanking God for his harvest that he's given us. That's something that's missing, sadly, in the believing community without understanding and recognizing and embracing the biblical holidays, at least understanding them, is that you lose touch with with the the, the seasons that God has in our lives. I'm not talking about necessarily spring, summer, fall, and and, and winter. I mean the seasons of our lives where God is teaching us and telling us that we need to be doing something or remembering something, or in the case of Sukkot, remembering the final harvest that God has given us. God has been so gracious to us and so gracious to you, and so we give him thanks for this. Exodus chapter 23, if you'd like to turn to it, tells us more about this, about this season, about Sukkot, which also has a different name in Exodus chapter 23, same exact holiday. Verse 16, it says this, also you are to observe the feast of harvest. That's also Sukkot, same holiday here. The first fruits of your labors that you sow in the field, 
as well as the Feast of Ingathering at the end of the year when you gather your crops from the field. And I misspoke. The Feast of Harvest, of course, is Shavuot. Feast of Ingathering is, uh, is, is what we have here. Sukkot also goes by the name Chag HaAsif, the Feast of Ingathering. The Feast of Ingathering, or the Harvest Festival, if you will. Deuteronomy chapter 16, starting in verse 13, says Sukkot is celebrated after you gather your produce, and God will bless your harvest and your joy will be complete. So it's the ingathering, and of course, it's an understandable mistake that I made. Why? Because the, the Shavuot also earlier in the year is also a, a harvest festival, if you will. Uh, and, and then you have Sukkot, the Feast of Ingathering or the Harvest Festival. It, they're, they're very related. They both celebrate harvests, Shavuot, the uh, Sukkot. Uh, they're just harvesting different things. They're, we're remembering different harvests, okay, if you will. And, and that's something that is also important in our lives. Now we are in the harvest time for, of course, the fruit, if you will. So on Sukkot, we are focusing on the fruit harvest, the final big harvest that we have uh, of the year, if you will, the harvest of fruit. But remember also, I read a little bit earlier in Matthew chapter 7, and this relates that Yeshua told us that we should be fruit inspectors, inspectors of fruit to examine fruit, the, to examine the fruit. You know, it's interesting. If you, if you go to Israel, or it's Israel, the land of Israel, and it's, and it's time for Sukkot, it's Sukkot season, and you see the ultra-Orthodox picking their lulav and, and etrog. Wow, I'm telling you what, you can see, there are some videos of this that you can see on, on YouTube, but just how meticulous they are and, and how they look. They, they will, they will I, there's plenty, if, if you go there, you can actually see it, it's really amazing, but you can see them because they'll be for sale and they'll, they'll take out the etrog and, the, and they'll take out their little spectacle sometimes and they'll, and they'll look at it and they'll, they'll examine it just to make sure it is a good fruit, to make sure it is a good fruit, it doesn't have any, any, uh, any bugs in it or anything or any deformities or everything's okay with it? Is it, is it of the proper ripeness and all? And, and then they will look through the lulav uh, and, and, and they will examine it very, very carefully. You, you, you see, what is this? They're examining the fruit, right? They're examining to see if it is worthy of a celebration to Adonai. Is it worthy of us? And, and, and there's something in this that we can learn, y'all. There's something in this that we can learn because the, we need to be examining fruit. We need to be fruit inspectors, our own fruit and the fruit of others, but our own fruit first of all because we know from Adam all fruit is not the same. Man, he chose the wrong fruit. He picked the wrong fruit to eat and it cost him and all of us dearly. I forgive you, Adam. Galatians chapter 5. Okay, so kind of with all this within context, now we look at Galatians chapter 5, which you all, uh, or not all, many of you know what's in Galatians chapter 5. I know Donna does. She loves Galatians chapter 5. Why? Because within it we have, starting in verse 22, the fruit of the Ruach. The, the, the Lord and Rabbi Shaul reveals to us that, that fruit is symbolic of different attributes that we should have in our lives. The good fruit, if you will, because we should be fruit inspectors. There should be good fruit. Yeshua said, by their fruit, you will know them. Well, what kind of fruit should we have? What kind of fruit should we be looking for in others? What kind of fruit should we have in our own lives? Yeshua tells us, Brenda, in verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the Ruach, which means the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit, is, here's the list, love, joy, peace, patience, patience. kindness, <laughs> goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Messiah have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Ruach, let us also walk by the Ruach. Let us walk by the Spirit. Ah, okay, so we see in here the, the fruit of the Ruach Elohim, right? The fruit of the Spirit of God. And what does it require, David? It requires crucifying the flesh. It requires doing things that we don't want to do intuitively and in our own flesh. In our flesh, 
We want to do things that are contrary to the fruits of the Spirit oftentimes, but we have to crucify our flesh and, and, and cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So on Sukkot, let me ask you a question as we're celebrating the Harvest Festival for fruit. Shouldn't we also have and focus on a harvest of spiritual fruit, fruit in our lives? Okay, we certainly should. Just like we're, we're focused in a physical way on the fruit harvest. But y'all, how many farmers I got in here? Just wave your hands at me, all you farmers. Okay, a few, a few of you guys, a couple gardens in the yard. Okay, great. Anybody got more than an acre? Just wave your hand big at me. Okay, I got one. God bless her. God bless her. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, not a lot of farmers here. Okay, not a lot of farmers. And so for us, to a certain extent, as we look at Sukkot, and in particular, the element of it that's about the harvesting of the fruit, uh, that, that's, a, that's an abstract concept. But when we look at our own lives and consider what the scriptures say is the fruit of the Spirit, that's something that we can very tangibly examine to say, are we harvesting a lot of good fruit in our lives? Are you with me? Does that make sense? Say Amen. Okay, good, you're with me. Now, listen, what I've done is each year, the Shabbat during, this, I, I, I'm not even gonna, this, this is unbelievable to me, and I, I'm telling you, it's the truth. You can, you can see, you can look at our library once we have it rebuilt. Please help us rebuild the library, by the way. Uh, but uh, as my messages, even going back many years are recorded, but, but I have for the last number of years, on the Shabbat of Sukkot, on the Sukkot Shabbat, I've been taking, because it's a harvest uh, festival of fruits, I've been taking the fruits of the Spirit and examining them one at a time. It's, it's like a, like a multi-year series of fruit, okay? And, and this is what I've been doing for a number of years now. And last year, uh, 2020, we examined the fruit, the third fruit, which was peace. And we talked all about peace, the fruit of the Spirit, which is peace. Now today, I want to spend some uh, time talking about the fourth fruit that, that is listed here in the fruit of the Spirit. And that, first, that fourth fruit is, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. Oh my gosh, it's patience, y'all. It's patience. I'm not even kidding you. I'm, I'm telling you something. I, listen, I started this series four years ago. I, I had no idea of the pandemic. Trust me, I did not know anything. And now it just so happens, 2021, after almost two years of this thing, next fruit is patience, patience. Now, I checked and checked twice to make sure that that was the fruit that I was up to in the list. I was like, Lord, really? Come on now. This is the fourth year I've been doing this, this series on Sukkot. When I began to work on the message, I had to chuckle. <laughs> I really did. I just I looked at it. I was like, you got to be kidding me. It's like, that's really funny, Lord. That's really funny. The, the, this year's fruit just so happens to be patience. Good grief. Wow. It is so, now listen, it is so appropriate. There's no question. I mean, it's ordained. I know it's ordained. I mean, come on. It, it can't be some coincidence. Look at all the other fruit. The other fruit are all just great stuff, you know, and then there's the patience. I mean, that's great stuff too. I mean, I'm going to talk about it. But still, relative to everything in the last two years, good grief. It's so appropriate, but it might not have been my first choice to teach on right now because it feels like we've been waiting so long for this pandemic to end. Most people are so over it. And truly, that's a reflection on how we feel about a lot of things you know, oftentimes in our lives, you know, but God tells us that a fruit we need to cultivate is patience. Or as Rabbi E used to say, patience. <laughs> you never forget, you hear him do it once, you'll never forget. He used to say that people, even when they say patience, they want to say it fast, patience, patience. God, give me patience. No, no, you, you say it so fast. Yeah, no, 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 no. Patience. You got to go real Southern. <laughs> Take your time. The Greek word here for patience is makrothemia. Makrothemia, another translation of the word patience 
<laughs> it's like, wow, okay, let me, let me look for a, another translation of the word makrothemia uh, and, and, and see if there's something that's a little bit easier to digest. And the other definition for makrothemia is long-suffering. <laughs> Hooray! Woo, boy, yes. Send your tithes and offerings to Bethel, and this is what you can receive, long-suffering. <laughs> Nobody ever does that. Nobody talks about that. You never hear the t- TV preachers talk about long-suffering. Yeah, they just don't do it, huh? Well, hey, listen, right there in the Bible, we're going to be doing it here today. Ugh, but it's a fruit of the Spirit, and it's a very important. We're going to be talking about this here today, 2 Peter chapter 3. I want for us to look at, at patience, but I want to look at this from a different perspective, because I tell you what, you know, when I, when I was going through it, it was like, man, I, I, I can't skip this. I mean, it's like, Lord, it was like, you, you don't skip that. You know, I have that for, for a reason. That's in there for seasons like this. Hello, patience. Okay, we're gonna, we, we look at the whole scripture, y'all. We don't skip, we, we believe in the word of God. It sets us free. If you understand patience, I think that you're gonna feel better when you leave here today or when you uh, finish watching online. I think you're gonna feel better than when you walked in. I want for us to look at this from a different perspective because as much as we, as much as we rue the circumstances which cultivates long-suffering, it is an attribute that we need. We need long-suffering. We need patience. Now, when I say we need it, I don't mean that we need to have it, although we do need to have it, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But I mean, really, we need somebody else to have it who's even more important. Second Peter chapter 3, who am I talking about? I'll give you a hint. Look up. The Lord, verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some consider slowness. Rather, he is being patient toward you, not wanting anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Wow, that's very, very powerful, my friends. This is the exact same Greek word, right, Aaron, that we see in Galatians. It's the exact same Greek word here. It's a small verse here, but it has a lot to unpack this one verse in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. First, a very small mini aside teaching here. Just a, a quick little aside here. Uh, this scripture is one of the clearest scriptures that really speaks against the doctrine of Calvinism. Predestined does not mean that God only allows certain people the opportunity to get to heaven. No, my friends. It is God's will for all to come to repentance. Scripture is crystal clear on this. It says it explicitly. It's God's will for all to come to repentance. He doesn't want anyone to perish. So saith the Lord explicitly, right? But he gives us all a free choice. He gives us all a free will, whether or not we will choose to serve him or not to serve him. Now, he may know what we're going to do, but that does not mean that he that he forces us, if you will. We all have that free choice as to what we are going to do. This is why we need to choose Hashem, choose the Lord, amen? Amen. Very important, okay. Now let's get back to to the scripture itself and think about what is being said here in relation to patience, especially in context. We see here that Peter is saying that Yeshua's return, it's it's in the context of, of Peter talking about the return of the Messiah. When will Yeshua return? What's the timing of Yeshua's returning here to earth and then the promise of heaven that is coming, that that promise that we all have, that we're all gonna go to heaven if we trust in the Lord, right? It's a sure thing. We know it's a sure thing. But then he reveals that God is being patient toward us. He's being patient toward us. Now, we're talking about patience here, but if we wanna understand patience and the patience that we need in our hearts, we have to understand that it starts upstairs. That's why I said we need patience, but we need patience even more for somebody else to have patience. We need God to have patience with us, as it says right here in the scripture, right, Godfrey? It says that he is patient toward us. Why? Because he doesn't want anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So truly, my friends, this patience, this long-suffering is modeled by God himself with us. And, and it's not just regarding salvation. Friends, God is so patient with us in so many areas of our lives as well. 
Woo, friends, I'm just gonna tell you, I'd like uh, anybody perfect here, wave your hand at me. Anybody perfect here? Wow, no hands, no hands going up. No, nobody's perfect. We're all flawed, right? We fail him, yet he loves us. We fail him again. He still loves us. We fail him all over again. He still loves us and forgives us and is patient with us. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Man, he is demonstrating this. Wow, patience is sounding better now. (laughs) When I think that the patience that God has for me Woo, okay, I'm liking that fruit now. Now I can start to talk about this fruit. Yes, Lord, I love patience. Be patient with me, God. Man, when you blow it, and everybody messes up, y'all. We all mess up. Everybody makes mistakes, intentional or not. Okay, but when this happens, man, we rely on it. We're relying on God's mercy and his patience. Oh, Lord, thank you for being, especially if you have to go, you know, you've heard this expression before, especially if you have to go many times around the mountain. Because oftentimes God will teach you a lesson in a certain area, right? He teaches you a lesson, and then what do you do? You say, okay, oh, thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. Boy, that was a mistake. And then you do it again. And, you, and God just goes, oh, boy. I mean, it's a good thing I'm not God. It's a good thing we're not God, right? We'd say, oh, Gavalt, man, get Take angels do something with that one. I'm telling you, I'm done with that. No, no, God's like, oh, my child. Okay, one more time. <laughs> Let me teach you one more time. One more time around the mountain. All the way around the mountain. Get back. Are you, oh, that, they did it again. All the way around the mountain. Oh, they did it again. I'm so, oh, my gosh, God is so patient with us. Come on, you all can relate to that. We all can relate to that. God is very patient with us. Oh, okay, so if he's so patient with us, we, we should be cultivating this in our lives as well. If, if, if for no other reason, out of sheer gratitude for his patience with us. You, you, you see, my friends, very, very, that's long-suffering if I've ever seen it. In short, if, if not for God's patience and long-suffering, there would be no hope for us. And so we must be patient. Here, Peter's teaching us not to be impatient with Yeshua's return. How can it be so long? This was part of the question that was being discussed at the time. You know, many in that day thought that Yeshua's return was imminent. Thought that, that, you know, they were waiting every day. When's Yeshua gonna come back? This was 2,000 years ago now. What's taking so long? Rabbi Peter here is teaching us that the Lord has been patient with us. We should wait on him because the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. In other words, God is true to his word and he will do what he says he is going to do. Amen? You're with me, I can tell. Some of you need to hear this in other areas of your life as well, that God's going to do what he said he's going to do. You need to hear that. Perhaps you've been struggling with something for a long time. You may be weary. You may wonder if it will ever change. Is this ever gonna change, God? Is this situation ever gonna change? You may wonder if God still cares or knows about what's going on and what it is that you're going through. God, do you even know? what It, it seems like I, nothing's changing here, God. It, 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 what's happening? It's, it's, this has just been so long. It's been going on. Be encouraged, my friend. It may seem hopeless, but God is not slow in keeping his promises. He will do what he says he will do. He really will. Yes and amen. And, 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 and even though for sure it says that without any question, we have to, though, at the same time, keep in mind the very verse right before in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, that, that is not quite as fun to read, but it's still, it's important to understand it's the big picture. Peter says, but don't forget this one thing, loved ones, that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, <laughs> and a thousand years are like one day. Oh! You know, 
know, it almost feels like the, like the disclaimer of the small print, right? Doesn't it? You know, it's like, hey, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Yeah, he's coming back. All right. Yes, I'm ready. But, you know, a day is like a thousand years. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But, but, but that, of course, that, that hurts some. Ouch, right? But it's true. Our time frame is often not God's time frame. How many of you know that? Anybody? One or two of you? One, two, hundred? Okay. (laughs) What is a year or two or a hundred or a thousand to God next to eternity? It's nothing. Exactly. It's nothing. It does not diminish, my friends, it does not diminish that he truly cares He truly does, but he is a God that has the big picture in mind. He sees the big picture, and if I'm being totally honest, it's one of the things that I struggle with. The rabbi struggles at times? Oh, but I thought he was the rabbi. Oh, boy. Yes, yes, the rabbi struggles at times. One of the things I struggle with sometimes is God's timing. My timing is often not God's timing. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll pray to the Lord, yes, bring it. And he says, yes, yes, it's going to happen. And it's like, oh, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting, Lord. He's like, hey, a day is like a thousand years, Bubula. I love you. <laughs> it's a little Yiddish there, a little Yiddish kite. We have that a little. Uh, listen, my timing is often not God's timing. I don't completely understand it, but I'm not God. And the older that I get, the more kind of perspective I get, the more I see how God had, truly does have the big picture in mind. He sees the big picture bigger than I can see myself, and that's hard for me. I'll tell you very uh, vulnerably, it's hard for me sometimes. But, but God sees the big picture. There's something as I was working on this message that just kind of helped me some. As I was reflecting on this and, and being patient and understanding the big picture, and so perhaps this will help you too. This is something the Lord just, I just kind of shared with me when I was working on this. Think of it this way. It's kind of like an artist. It's, a, it's kind of like an artist. If you're watching an artist, it's folly, complete folly to criticize the painting when it's only 5% completed. Think about that for a minute, right? If you see an artist just getting started, right? And they've got some stuff, or they've, even if they're 10, 20%, even if they're 50% done, it's folly. Well, hold on. This, 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 you don't have this border right over here. Hold on. There's nothing in this section over here. It's, it's a completely, what, what, are you, what are you criticizing the painting for? It's, he's just getting going on it. You know, especially, Especially if I don't even know what's going to be painted in the 95% of the painting that's incomplete. I don't even know what's planned. You know, he's got his little brush and he's, he's brushing, you know, when he's starting to fight. It's like he's got this small corner of the painting done. And I'm like, boy, this, this doesn't look so good. I don't like this. Over here, there's nothing. It's all just blank canvas, and, and there's a few lines over here I don't like. I don't know what that's supposed to be. It's like, man, I haven't even got I don't I haven't even told you what's going to be on that. I don't, you don't even know the full painting. You don't even have the big picture in mind at all. How can you be criticizing? How can you be impatient about this, that, and the other when you don't even know what the painting's going to be? You don't know the fullness of the painting. Very interesting. And also, here's the other thing, and, and you know, it's humbling. It's humbling, y'all, but here's the truth that we really just have to accept and digest. It's also true when some of the picture may not be filled in completely until I am dead and gone. You recognize that some of the things that you do affect those beyond you, your children or the next generation or, or, or those that you, that you share the Lord with, and, and, and they have an impact. It's, it's so true. This isn't intended to be melancholy. It's intended to set a more correct perspective. See, God has the big perspective. There were, there were, there, there were people, I did a funeral a couple of years ago of, of a dear godly man, and that funeral uh, is someone I have deep respect for who had a big influence in, in my parents eventually starting this congregation. And, and this funeral that I conducted, a huge honor for me, was very, very small. It was a very small funeral. 
And someone who was at the funeral said, wow, as much as this guy did for God, it's what a shame that just, there's just so few people here. But yet, I look at it and I look back and I think, well, you know, I have a slightly different perspective. Because this person hugely influenced my parents to start this congregation that has influenced thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And so many of our Jewish people have come to the knowledge of Yeshua being the Messiah. So many of them who will be up in heaven because of this. And and yet, if you just look merely at this one tiny little piece, you might say, wow, I don't don't really see. I mean, and, and, and that person, even in their life, could have easily said, I don't think that he did, but this could have easily said, you know, what, what's all this? I, you know, I, I tried to serve the Lord, and where's the results, you know? Uh, no, there's huge fruits. He never had that attitude, thank God. But do you see how the, big, the rest of the, the painting might not be completed should the Lord tarry until we're long gone? Only then might the rest of the painting be done. That's really hard for us, y'all. It really, it's hard for me. But it is the truth. It is the truth. It is the truth. And if we rise up and look at things with this view, it becomes easier to have patience. It becomes easier to have, it becomes easier to be long suffering. Why? Because I'm not the artist. I'm not the artist. I'm not the potter. I'm the clay. I'm the paint that God is putting on his canvas. Based on, based on, and friends, based on many things that I've seen in the past and even now, I know that I can trust the artist. There's no one better. My son uh, is a big sports fan, uh, uh, and so he and I watch sports a good bit, and you know, watching sports in Atlanta is as an exercise in long suffering. <laughs> I didn't have that written, but I just cracked myself up with that one. Actually, it's so true. It's sad. Oh, but nonetheless, if if things are working right, sometimes a sports team has to go through losing seasons to build up to winning seasons. It's hard in the moment. It requires great patience. It's hard to have the knee replacement surgery. It hurts. <laughs> he knows. It hurts, and rehab and is painful and not necessarily fun. But in the end, the goal is to gain life and mobility, as Denny could tell you right there. College or early career can be challenging. Low money, long hours. <laughs> But that's the dues that must be paid for the eventual payoff. Friends, life is about being patient. Now, these are things that you and I can really understand. I can understand this. But there are situations, if, if, because I really like being real here, there are situations that are harder to understand, honestly, that are harder for me to understand. Things like the death of a, of a loved one, the breakdown of a relationship, pain. But when there are these things and we struggle with patience because of things like this and long-suffering, we remember two things here. First, we remember that we do live in a fallen world where the adversary has some say, and sadly, people often thwart the will of God. This is why we pray for the will of God. But... But Romans chapter 8, you know what's in Romans chapter 8. But the second thing is this. When things happen that are not what we would like or prefer or want or that we don't understand, which, which happens periodically to all of us to one extent or another, that's when we rely and, and, and take solace in Romans 8.28. Some of you, it's your favorite scripture. Now we know, we know, that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. We know this, my friends. God has a plan and a purpose, and in the end, he's got this. We have to trust him. We have to trust him even if it's hard. 
Only then can we have the patience that we need and that he has for us. He's so patient with us. But if we trust the artist, if we trust him, then it's easier to have patience, even if we don't understand. I mean, how often is it, if, if, you're, if you're a parent here, you remember or you know that when your kids are real small, sometimes you, you'll tell them to do things and, and they don't have the capability of understanding why. They, it's, it's, not that they're, it's not that they're dumb. It's, it's, it's not that they're unintelligent. It's not that they're trying to be rebellious. They don't have the capability of understanding. Well, do you think that if there is a God that created the whole universe, that periodically we might fit in that category? <laughs> I mean, I think it's hubris not to think. Of course, there are going to be some things that happen in life that we don't understand, that we don't have, maybe have the capability of understanding. But you know, I trust my dad. You got to trust your dad. You got to trust your spiritual father. James chapter 5. Yaakov, the book of Yaakov, James chapter 5, please. Verse 7 says this. Very interesting. Let this sink deep into your spirit. We're going to read a few verses here. Let this minister to you. It says, so be patient, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth? being patient for it until it receives the early and late rain. You also be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the coming of the Lord is near. Do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider blessed those who show endurance. You have heard of the endurance of Job, and you have seen the outcome of Adonai. The Adonai is full of compassion and mercy. Man, that's the message for this fruit of, of patience. If we're going to have patience fruit, it means that we should also not be grumbling Against one another, hello. No, 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 no. It's so easy to grumble, especially when we're getting impatient about things. Why hasn't this happened yet? I'm becoming discontent. Why hasn't this happened yet? No, 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 don't grumble. Be patient. Show patient endurance because according to the word of God there, showing patient endurance wins us blessings according to the word. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy if we're patient even with each other. we got to be patient with each other, my friends. Yes, we have to be patient sometimes with the Lord. What we feel the Lord should be doing on our time frame, no, be patient. But we also have to be patient with each other. This is a strong ex exhortation for us to show this patience. Psalm chapter 40, as we prepare to close. Psalm chapter 40 says this. Hear what Melch David said. Now listen to this. I want you to listen. The, the whole psalm is amazing, but I want you to listen to the victory, the overcoming nature in verse five and six. Let's read this because I want that to sink into your spirit because I've got a, a, a lesson that's part of that that relates to what we've been talking about. Verse five, blessed is the one who puts his confidence in Adonai. Who has not turned to the arrogant nor to those who fall in falsehood. Many things you have done, Adonai, my God. Your plans for us are wonderful. There is none to be compared to you. If I were to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to count. Woo, yes. Baruch Hashem. King David says that we are blessed if we put our confidence in God. We are blessed if we trust in him. Trust in him regardless of the circumstances. Why? Because his plans for us, I love this. I don't know, people always, always go to, I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, which is a great one. But this is a good one too. It says, God's plans for us are wonderful. God's plans for you are wonderful. Do you hear that, beloved? God's plans for you are wonderful. But what, but what brought King David to this place? Oh, it's so deep. This psalm is pretty deep. 
What brought King David to this place to say such great things about God and about how much confidence he had in God, how much trust he has in God, how much knowledge that, that, that he has that God's plans for us are wonderful? How does he know all these things? How could he possibly read a little bit earlier in the psalm and you'll get a revelation, verse two, when King David says just a couple verses before, he says, I waited patiently for Adonai, he bent down to me and heard my cry. Listen, I want you to, to pick up on that verse as it, as it relates to the later verses. It doesn't say that King David got everything he wanted right away. No, in fact, it implies something contrary to that. It says that David waited patiently. He waited patiently. This, this was the, the precedent, if you will, before verses five and six and really the whole chapter. And we know that it wasn't easy when David, what is it, when David says he waited patiently. We know it wasn't easy for him to wait patiently. We know it explicitly. How do we know that it wasn't easy for him to wait patiently? Because he said explicitly it drove him to tears. He said, he said that God bent down to me and heard my cry. Still, David said God heard his cry. And then, of course, he said that God's plans for us are wonderful. Do you see the progression that, that David goes through in this psalm to get to a point where he has that trust in God? First, he has to wait patiently on God and for God. Wow, it's, 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 that's hard to fathom in a pandemic. It's hard to fathom. It's hard to accept when money is tight. It's hard to accept and to believe when, when all hope seems lost in whatever area it's in, you're in, whatever situation it is that you find yourself in. But it is the truth. God's plans for us are wonderful a lot of good can come about if we are just patient. My friend, it's Sukkot. We are celebrating the fruit harvest. This year, let's purpose to have a harvest of fruit. And the title of my message is Patience Fruit. Let's grow it. Let's bow our heads. <laughs> Oh, boy, I hope you were blessed by that message. I know that for me, it was, it was a hard one to start, man. <laughs> Once I got going on, it was like the Lord just taught me. Thank you, Lord. I want to ask if there's anybody here who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart, if that's you and you've never given your life to Yeshua, never said a prayer to accept Yeshua as your Messiah, as your atonement, as your Kippur. But if you would like to, wherever you are, just lift your hand and we'll have a simple prayer if that's you. If you've never committed your life to Yeshua, but you want to today, you want to say a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart, if that's you, just raise your hand. We'll have a simple prayer together. We'll pray right now. Is, is there anybody here who'd like to say that prayer? Perhaps you're watching online and you have never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart. Repeat this prayer after me and God will change you on the inside. Dear God, I humble myself before you and I accept Yeshua into my heart as my Messiah, as my atonement. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Please forgive me of my sins, God. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, God, in Yeshua's name. Hmm. If you said that prayer for the first time and you're here with us, see me after the service. If you're watching online, please send us an email so that we can celebrate with you. But for everybody else here, I want to ask the question. We've been talking all about patience. And <laughs> if you've looked at your watch in the service today, <laughs> perhaps you need more patience. <laughs> Listen, if, if you need more patience in your life, if you're just being honest about it, not, you know, some people are very patient people. But if you need more patience and desire more patience in your life, just raise your hand, acknowledge it to God. One, two, hundred. Then there it was again. Okay, 
most of us. My hand is definitely up with you guys for sure, 100%. I want to pray for all of us, y'all, that, that the Lord will help us cultivate this fruit. You know, sometimes when God cultivates a fruit, a fruit he brings things in our lives that will test it. And they shall know you by your fruit. The pandemic is part of this, by the way. The Lord can use the, the pandemic to, to heighten your patience and to grow your patience, even though it's not a fun circumstance. A Venus Shabbat Shemaim, or it might be something completely different. A Venus Shabbat Shemaim, Father in heaven, humbly come before you, and I, I ask your touch on all of us, Lord. God, give, give us all patience, Lord. I pray for everybody here, Lord, that you will just give us patience, Lord. Long-suffering, if necessary. God, it's, it's not that I'm looking forward to any circumstances that bring about the patience, but Lord, I know the fruit of patience. Mm. The fruit of patience is your mercy and your compassion. And your plans for us are wonderful. And I can trust in you, God. You got the big picture in mind, oh God. You are the painter. You are the potter. You see the full canvas. You know your plans for the painting. That's way beyond any part that I can see myself. So Lord, I don't want to be impatient. Help me, Lord, to crucify my flesh so that I have more of that fruit of the Spirit within me, Lord. And especially today. And nothing could be more timely than, than the, the fruit of patience, Lord. Let us wait on you. Let us be patient with one another. Help us, God, sometimes to, to bite our tongue until it bleeds, Lord, so that we don't complain and we're, and we're not uh, uh, backbiting each other and, and, uh, and, and haranguing each other in any way, Lord, but rather, Lord, we're, we're loving each other, God, and, and we're patient with each other, God, even beyond our own fleshly capability to do so. God, that's my prayer for each and every one of us in here, Lord, that you will help us, bless us, because God, I believe that if we are uh, truly have a lot of patience in our lives, God, and if we're cultivating this fruit, God, that as this fruit grows, the more we're patient, the more we trust in you. The more we trust in you, the more patient we are. And if we're trusting in you, Lord, good things happen in our lives, God. Oh, Lord, let us trust in you more. Thank you, Lord, for Sukkot, for this wonderful holiday that we are in. Please touch and bless us. And I thank you for all these things. B'Shem Yeshua, in the name of our Messiah, Yeshua, we pray, amen and amen. Let the Lord bless you, this rest of the Sukkot. Chag Sameach. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah, or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethlehem.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.